The following podcast is a production of Hardly Awesome Studios in association with the network. Find us at BICBP-radio.com. everybody welcome back to another episode of silence your phones i'm one of your hosts chris chavez joined by your other host sean fritz and we are back we are back not only are we back but i'm back from my long trip to maine maine not bragging because it was for work maine some people might say so maine um what parts of maine were you at uh portland where apparently everybody wants to go there and i'll tell you i've been there that's that's you know like with nice. any work trip. Yeah. Well, it was nice. I drove, I got in and I drove to work. Uh, like, like, uh, like with every business trip, I go places. Uh, no, I went to Portland, Maine. And like, like every single time I've been to Boston, which is three for work, I get mm-hmm. to see 0% of the city. Do you not do that? dude? Are, are you not like when you're done with your, your day, instead of just kind of going back to the hotel room and chilling there, you go out and see what's happening. Uh, well, so in Maine, apparently or is it better if they, like you knew somebody in town, then you would do uh, that. I don't, I mean, like if I go somewhere for work, I'm, I'm honestly working after the after hours too, in a lot of cases. So like I have documents and manuals to update. Um, I, this time around, I did not, I went, I was on vacation the week before cause I needed it, but I didn't check my email during my vacation. It's the greatest thing I can, uh, greatest advice I can give to anybody. Don't check your voice, your email. If you're mm-hmm. on vacation from work, especially in 2022, uh, and then I really didn't check my email much while I was, cause I was doing training classes for about five ish hours a day. So lots of talking. Gotcha. And at that point I'm done, I'm done with my computer. I'm done with work. Um, I happen to open my email every day and just watch the number grow bigger. It's about at 650 unread emails. Oh my God. That's the worst. Mm-hmm. And a lot of feeling, need responses. Dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. Forget it. So I just put it all off. I'm like, ah, you know what? I'm going to do this on work hours when I feel like it, but nice. typically yeah. I'm dr- typically I'm drained after standing and talking for five or so hours a day. Cause there's not just me talking to a class. It's also me talking to, you know, my liaison or the IT department, or we're just fine tuning some things for, for when we ultimately go live and, you know, I don't want to do anything. I will look at my phone and say, Oh, where am I going to go to eat? Unless someone gives me a suggestion. Yeah, man. It's been, um, busy, busy my way as well. I was telling you, I drove out from, from Buffalo to uh, Pennsylvania, New Jersey border to film an all day fest, which was a lot of fun and then drove back the following day. So yeah, um, literally the entire day. It is. I mean, it's not too bad. Actually, it's only, it's a five hour drive, but it is still, uh, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot of driving. Um, I'm still, I'm still at an age where I enjoy it. I'm not too old. That's not true. Let's say this. 
<laughs> After about two hours of driving, when it's time to stop and get out of the car, I feel like I'm just going to crumble to the ground. It's like I can't stand up. My legs are like, oh, God, I look like an old man just trying to walk because I haven't stretched. Well, it's funny you say that because I uh, so when I fly into these places, I'm not walking to my destination and I'm usually not staying at the airport hotel right next to the, ho- the hotel right next to the airport yeah. and then walking right next door to the, to the, the business. I usually have to get in a rental car and go somewhere, mm-hmm. but six is my cutoff. Cause I get to the airport early. Like every normal person should do, mm-hmm. you know, I like to get there early. It's a 45 minute drive to the airport. And then it's a cup. It's like an hour tops in most cases from the airport to the hotel. So if I breach six hours, I'm not driving. That's my, that's my standing yeah, rule done. along with the chain restaurants like Applebee's. Yeah, it can be intense, dude. But um, I, I do still enjoy it. I, I I love it, and and it was a it was a good time. We'll see what what comes of it. I have like I was telling you before, I've got a ton, a ton of stuff to go through, and um, so far some of the shots are looking good. So I'm 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 excited. You know, it's a, it's one of those things that I feel like finally it's starting to kick off. I wanted to start this whole video production thing and start putting some things together. So now I have like this is one of the biggest projects I have. It's a big one. Um. Are you doing any of this through the city of Buffalo or their film thing? No, nah, or you're just all just me right now. Yeah. Freelance. And then. Nice. Yep, yep. Uh, so so be cool. uh, here's a, here's a fun segue. Cause I, I guess I'm becoming the king of segues. Uh, I flew last week. You drove. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would rather, I would much rather take a giant comfortable mattress Food. <laughs> with our newest sponsor, chili sleep. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> and speaking of travel, because that's where I was originally going to go, but damn, we went off course. <laughs> travel and travel by bed. We're talking about the movie uh, that we're talking about today. So the movie we're talking about today, good Lord, Chris, I can't talk today. Yeah. Did you um, forget the movie already? Yeah. The movie we're talking about today is a Disney classic, 1971 bed knobs and broomsticks. How does she do that? Cause she's a witch. That's the sort of thing witches do. Sound the that I should take these children into my house. Exactly. The incomparable Angela Lansbury as Miss Eglantine Price, the apprentice witch who's taking a correspondence course in witchcraft. And funny man David Tomlinson as the lovable London con man. Please note the name, ladies and gentlemen, Professor Emilius Brown. I am here to In Walt Disney Productions' super magical motion picture, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. I like you better 
rabbit, Charlie? Together, they lead three homeless cockney waifs. They take us to the island of Naboomba. Through a world of magic, more fantastic than anything you've ever seen before. I'm not. Say? You see, the work I'm doing is so important to the war effort. Chap can unload is sold off the barrow in Portobello Road. It's lovely bobbing along, bobbing along through the water where we get along swimmingly. Bobbing along, singing a song on the bottom of the beautiful briny, shimmery, shiny, beautiful briny sea. I remember this movie, so I don't know if I said it the last time, but for me, I remember this movie being on, what was it, ABC? I think ABC was the the station, right, that would show Disney movies back in the, the like the 90s. Sunday night movie of the week? Is yeah. you thinking of? Right, yeah. and you'd see the little Disney logo come up, and, and it shows the, the, the castle and all that, and you're like, sweet Disney movie. And I remember this is the first time I saw this film was that way. Um, and I loved it as a kid. I absolutely loved it. I was blown away, you know, seeing live action and animation together. I thought it was amazing. So watching it again, I, it was one of these things. And we've talked about this before, kind of coming back to it with a little bit of um, caution, right? You never know if it's just the rose colored glasses as to why you still love this or think th- thought so highly of it. I think um, we should dub this the never ending story effect. Yeah, exactly. You never know. You never know, man. Right. Um, so, yeah. So we watched it for this this show. And um, that's what we're going to be talking about. Have Had you seen it before this? Is this your first time seeing it? So this was my first time seeing it. Um, I sat down to watch this with um, with my 17 year old who is in the process of uh, the, the day after we watched it. Actually, here, here's a fun sentence. The day after we watched it, we went on a college visit Wow! to investigate this, this college's theater program. Hey, that's cool. Okay. And so, I mean, yeah, not a brag. She's a Dean's List student. You know, if any colleges are listening, I will gladly send you her transcripts. Nice. Um, nice. Uh, but yeah, she's, she was, she's in the theaters. Uh, so here's another fun sentence. When I turned this on, I'm like, oh yeah, I know Angela Lansbury's in this. I was telling her about it. I'm like, oh yeah, it's a movie where they. Uh, there's bed knobs and there's broomsticks uh, because that's the extent of what I knew. Uh, there's one other thing I didn't tell her about. Uh, I'll tell you in a minute and how I know it. But um, uh, probably about 15 minutes in, I'm like, oh, didn't know this was a musical too. <laughs> Isn't that yep. a fun little, fun little thing to discover? So 
ironically, she wasn't as interested in it. Um, I think it was a little over fantastical and yeah. less less stage, more yeah. Hollywood back lots and such. Um, but no, uh, I knew that there were in this movie, uh, once we get into the plot, we'll go more in detail. I knew there were Nazis in this, but I'm, I'm waiting for them to show up. I'm like, where the hell are they? Mm-hmm. Because uh, on an old, old, old episode of, um, of uh, Fat Man Beyond, or maybe it was Fat Man on Batman at the time, Kevin Smith was asked the question, what Disney property would you want to uh, do something with oh my like, god oh my god and, dude and he said all right off the top of his head bed knobs and broomsticks hell would be yeah. a little bit we would be a little bit more fantastical there'd probably be more nazis maybe put them into the battle of the bulge somewhere i'm like what is going on with this movie <laughs> and that was the that was the impetus for me wanting to do that to do this movie to watch it and uh, he said that well before disney plus was a thing what four mm-hmm. years ago so I had always just had it in the back of my mind. Like I should watch this movie at some point and um, just knew that there were Nazis and Angela Lansbury was in it and didn't know there was witchcraft or uh, witch education or like, let's find a book or the Robin hood animation rejected cells are in here. And, you know, still not a big fan of soccer, but you know, all these wild things in here. This didn't, that, this didn't win you over, dude. <laughs> I, I didn't know all the, You're like, you here. know what? Now I'm a, I'm going to check out soccer. Yeah, this, no, I just convinced me. No, let's get into the plot of this film. So, so what Google says, this is what they say. Um, during the Battle of Britain, Miss uh, Eglantine Price, a cunning witch in training, decides to use her supernatural powers to defeat the Nazis. Uh, she sets out to accomplish this task with the aid of three inventive children who have been ev- evacuated from the London Blitz. Joined by Emilius Brown, the head of Miss Price's witchcraft training correspondence school, the crew uses an enchanted bed to travel into a fantasy land and foil encroaching German troops. That pretty much wraps up the plot pretty well, to be honest with you. It, it makes it seem like the fantasy land is where the Nazis are. Right. That's not. So, the, you know. After a trip to Fantasyland to achieve uh, to you know it, it doesn't talk about why they need it's yeah. a summary it doesn't talk about the, getting the second half of the book or the last yeah. page of the book and you know that weird under you know that weird canning cellar fight with you know and also a bed just happens to like roll down the stairs every which <laughs> every time there's a new scene which is strange by the way that I was waiting for that bed to break <laughs> and it's like times wobbling it means, it's yeah. doing this wobbling thing. Well, so you know how in Back to the Future or Back to the Future, I think they had three DeLoreans, but in like Gone in sixty seven, they sixty seconds they had the Nicolas Cage version. They had eight uh, Eleanors. Oh, yeah. did they? Wow. Um, of which five were destroyed. Holy. Um, so how many of the how many beds did they have in this movie? Or did they Just have like the a, one dude. They had a pit crew of of like bed mechanics. They had to keep patching up cracks and. Like in Days of Thunder and stuff, yeah, all those dude. Ford Tauruses that they had doubling uh, as race cars. Overall, though, this is this is a fun plot, right? So when you're thinking about being a fan of World War II, like it is a weird thing to say, but you're a fan of it, right? It's it's this idea that you know it's something that happened. It was this on on a global scale. It was there was a lot of atrocity to it too. There was a lot of terror, or a lot of horror to that, and to think that maybe imagine if. A, a, a new kind of up and coming witch and a group of kids could actually have an impact on the bad guys. Right. Mm-hmm. It almost feels like uh remember red Dawn. It almost no. feels like the, uh, Oh, you've never seen that. Mm-hmm. It's on oh, the list. God. Don't worry. 
but that's on the list. Next time there's a Russian invasion. That's the idea. It's the idea that the kids are going to save the day. Right. And so that's that for me that it's fun in that regard. Well, it's something the intended audience can also relate to and be like, and like, Oh yeah, I pretended that in the backyard last week. Like, yeah. We're going to stop whoever's coming and, you know, be the help, help everybody else out. Exactly. But I thought, I thought, you know, the way they execute telling us the story throughout the, throughout the movie, I thought was, was fun. And I thought they did a good job because one of the things I really liked too, is the beginning as it opens with the titles, it's all kind of old Renaissance style artwork, you know, and lettering. That was, I think that was the Disney standard at the time too. And I don't know if you noticed this. Um, I did only because I've seen the movie a few times. And so I, I was already very familiar with some of these songs, but that opening thing with all the credits, that orchestral piece that you hear, it's literally playing all the music from all the, all the songs that are, that you're going to hear later in this movie. Um, as it goes, showing you the animation of what you're about to see in the movie as well. It's mm-hmm. crazy that you just see everything in your title sequence. They basically take the storyboards and yeah. they, and the, like, um, what is it? Uh, like the, where they took all those Greece songs and they mixed them together. Yeah. Like, what forever ago by now. Yep. But yeah, right away, you know, we're introduced to Angela Lansbury's character, this witch. Um, she is going to she's going to she's going to pick up in the town she lives in. And she lives in a town that's pretty much almost evacuated. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the blitz is the blitz is happening. And for people who don't know in history or don't remember who slept through class um, during World War Two, Germany was doing a lot of bombing of Britain. They were just kind of flying over and bombing as much as they could. It was called the Blitzkrieg. It was called the London bombings. The Blitzkrieg was a war strategy that the Germans ah. used where they where they used a lot of panzer tanks, a lot of people, a lot of guns, a lot of bullets. Thank you, sir. You're right. From multiple angles. Yes. Huh? Yes. It was part of Favorite the Blitzkrieg. Yeah. The bombings were it was yeah, part of it was, the part of it. Mm-hmm. And, and at that time, and it's weird, too, because I don't want to say it's weird. It's cyclical. So we're going to see it. Uh, we're kind of seeing it happen right now, right? Like the idea with mm-hmm. Russia uh, kind of invading Ukraine and these bombings and a lot of the things things we see in the news is the evacuation of just normal citizens, people who, I mean, you're not going to just continue trying to live your days while bombs are falling out of the sky. They got to get out of there. And, mm-hmm. you know, during World War II, that's what was happening. They were They were evacuating women and children and the men were going to war. And so in this town, a lot of the, everybody's been kind of evacuated. There's these three kids that they're still trying to get sent off somewhere. And they end up going with, with Angela Lansbury's character, right? She's coming into town to pick up her broom. She just got this broom in the mail, her package. And um, the woman there talks her into taking the children and she doesn't want to do it. Well, but- she, they, they mentioned that there was like a decree by the prime minister yeah. that if you had the space, you had to take them yep. short term. I think they actually just came from London. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they weren't being evacuated from town. this town. Yeah. Whatever. Oh yeah. They just arrived. You're right. You're something, right. something, something Shire at the very end of yeah. Westminster Shire or Staffington Shire or something that Westminster Staffington Berkeley Shire upon something else. Yeah. yeah. Upon the moor. But yeah, so she ends up taking these kids in, like I said, begrudgingly. And these kids don't want to be there. They're like, yeah, we don't want to be here. Uh, she doesn't want them. And so immediately they're already conniving how are they going to run away like we're going to plan to run away brash little bastards by the way yeah and they've got that that little cockney accent all three of them the way they talk what she doing over there and you know um so we also see that at the end of the night she puts them to bed and she pulls out her broom now her package and it's this new broom and she pulls out a book she's got her scraggly little black cat and here we're introduced to the idea that she is an apprentice witch she's learning to be a witch from this book and hence the broomstick 
Yes. And she, she sends away for, for these things, you know, lessons and she gets them in the mail. And now she's going to try the flying spell. She's going to try to fly. And we see, we kind of see this kind of Peter Parker first time as Spider-Man moment, right? Where she's not sure what she's doing and she's kind of bumbling around. Uh, she's not sure how to sit on it. You're supposed to sit like a lady and she can't sit on it the right way. Um, so anyway, she ends up figuring it out and off she goes flying up into the air. And it's this is where we're really introduced to the idea that, okay, this is a fantastical movie. This is magic, right? This is going to be this kind of movie. These, meanwhile, these kids are trying to sneak out and they see her in the air. And they're like, what the heck? And, you know, she's a witch. And the one older boy of the three kids is an older boy, uh, a, a, an older girl, and then this younger boy. The older boy stops them from running away. He's like, you know what? I've got an idea. We can make this work for us. So and let's manipulate the shit out of her. The next morning, they're about to have breakfast and, you know, they're talking and how you doing? How'd you sleep? Uh, you know, not too bad. And then this little boy looks at her and goes, this is night, nice night for flying, eh? <laughs> Because uh, this is a World War II piece, it, there is very, there's no, uh, there's no um, commercial flights at this right. point, so it's not really a thing to think. Well, I didn't, t- I didn't fly anywhere, right? Except I've been caught. Yeah, and she knows it, and she straight up says to him, "You know, well, now you found out. That's what I am." And he starts to try to bribe her. You know. You might want to take care of us a little more. You might want to give us this and that. And she looks at him and goes, well, if I were you and you really thought I was a witch, you don't think you should think twice about threatening me, <laughs> which is right. Right. Fair, like fair hello. point. Yeah. Um, she ends up turning him into a rabbit and uh, it scares him. He runs. The rabbit runs off. The cat comes and starts chasing him, has him cornered, is about to about to, to pounce. And the boy becomes the, or the rabbit becomes the boy again. And she's just like, I can't ever seem to make them into toads. They always become rabbits. So now they know, right? And she says, she's, you know, what? she's I'll not make- as good as she could, you know? Yeah. And she says, you know what? I'll make a deal with you. If you keep my secret, um, I will, I will give you something that'll help you travel anywhere you want. Right. And so I just need something. I need you guys to give me something that, that we can use to enchant. And the youngest of the boys, pulls the bed knob that he stole off the end of the bed which i guess back in the day bed knobs you just screw them on yeah well and and part of it too was that she said she needed something that could be turned or like a ring or something yes. that was rotation had a rotation property yes. to it so like a ring people twirl it on their finger uh, some people twirl pens between their thumb and index finger yep. i can't do that but yeah and he just happened to have this bed knob in his in his agnes uh, angus young uh, schoolboy shorts <laughs> so he hands it to her and she enchants it it lights up and she says now this we can use this to travel anywhere we want but the only one that can do it is this young boy because he's the one that gave it to me and so now um that's the deal right so we know she's a witch these kids know she's a witch well because the whole point of them wanting to go somewhere specifically they want to go back to london she wants yep. to go because the she got a correspondence that her right. school is is done because this comes up now. Yep. Yeah. 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 Basically she gets a correspondence saying, you know, we're, we're so sorry, but we will not be sending you the final lesson as whatever has happened. We're, we're, we need to close. Right. And I think, doesn't it blame the war that we need to close? They say something about the war effort. 
Uh, I think that that might be the case. Wouldn't it be funny if he said, because of supply chain, <laughs> we <laughs> can't she, get stuff. She's all annoyed. She's like, what the hell? She's like, you know what? I need to go and find this Emilius Brown. Uh, I have to find him. He's the one who's sending me this stuff. I have to find him and at least get the last lesson from him. And um, why don't we use the bed knob, right? And the little boy's like, sure, let's do this. So they all jump onto the bed, except for the older boy. He's throwing a tantrum. He's like, you guys don't like me. I don't believe in your your, your sissy baby stuff. That's just nonsense. It'll never work. Um, Act like that. Nobody will like you. Right. He's standing in the corner, like just turned away from him, like not mm-hmm. doing anything. Doesn't walk out of room. He just literally goes and turns himself away from them. Maybe he saw the Blair Witch before we all did. Yeah, He's in the corner like the Blair Witch boy, dude. Uh, then all of a sudden, you know, they start to the magic process, the bed starts shaking and now we get Disney magic, right? Disney animation magic. Um, we're watching this start to glow and sparkle and this boy's like, holy cow, this is actually working. And he runs over and jumps on the bed and didn't the cat chase after him. Was that what it was? Oh yeah. The cat gave him a look or something. Yeah. The cat was like, I need, I need my space said the cat. (laughs) He jumps on the bed and then whoosh they're off. And it's this like trippy almost like Willy Wonka style in that floating river, crazy lights flashing. And uh, that's why I said it's almost like an acid trip, all this crazy, like flashing. Now, this is where we first start to see uh, Eglaton Price, yeah. Angela Lansbury, start acting matronly. Yeah. Because she's like, get a freaking jacket, you dumbass, because it's going to be cold. I mean, she dresses it up in a very Brit- yeah. in an upper British lilt. You yeah. know, don't you want your jacket? Yeah, but it's, it's not just uh, these are just kids I can't stand. It's now she's mm-hmm. kind of looking after them as well. Yeah, she's that's, protecting them. That's what she says. She says, take me to Amelia's Brown. And off they go. And they appear in this kind of it, it looks like London, looks like 1940s London, cobblestone streets, alleyway thing. And there's the bed. It appears. It looks old timey enough and ge- yet generic enough. But yes, yeah. it's it's like an old part of town. London is an old city. So. And uh, there's this gentleman there that's got himself a little table and he's selling all kinds of things. He's almost like a snake oil salesman. He is a snake oil salesman. <laughs> you know what I mean? Get this. But, this comes from the far east. Only the, the richest of hands have used this. Here's another thing from whatever. You know what I mean? But even still, the uh, his little contraption starts out as like a picnic basket and yeah. it expands to like full on like three bookcases wide and <laughs> And tall. It's like imagine what, what having it, that at a con, dude. When you need to set up, boom. That is like you could you can print money with that. Well, I mean, you could, <laughs> not with that, but you could. I'm like, I want to reverse engineer this thing. <laughs> um, she finds him. She's like, "Oh, you're Amelius Brown," and uh, he says, "Yes, yeah, I am." You know, and she says, "Well, I I'm so and so. I'm you know whatever her name is, Price, um, Eglantine Price, Eglantine Price. I I've come here from." St. Berkshire Hathaway something town. And uh, I'm a student of yours and I need to, I need to, I need the last, the last thing. And he goes, well, well, how did you get here? And she says, well, I used your spell for traveling. And he's just like, what the fuck? Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? And that's where we get that as a viewer, we get the, the, the idea that, yeah, he's not this dude that's running a school. He's just been sending things off and, you know, it's, he's a, again, a snake oil salesman. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
And she's like, well, he's like, well, you know, I got this from a book that I found at this dealership, you know, and I, and it was a, it was an old ancient book with these kinds of spells. And, you know, I thought, Hey, why not? Let's try that. She's like, well, I just want the rest of it. And he's like, well, I can't do that. The, the book, I got it at this book dealer. And uh, when I went to buy it, um, this other guy wanted to buy it and we kind of had a fight over it and we ended up ripping the book in half and he took one and I took the other side and he's got the rest. That's why I had to close the school. I don't have anything else to send you. And that's when she realizes what he is. And she's like, Oh Christ, what are we going to do? Let's just go try to find this book. And he says, uh, well, I'll tell you what we can go where I went and bought it. There's this place down the road here, uh, where you can pretty much buy anything you want. It's a, it's a, it's a street market, right? It's called. Portobello Road. Yes, it is called that. And uh, they make sure that you remember that uh, forever and ever and ever again. And Amen. you will. Dude, this is the one song I always remembered having watched it the one the one or two times when I was a kid. All the way up until before I watched it again, I could still sing that song. I mm-hmm. remember that song. It's, it's catchy. Uh, it's a catchy tune. I mean, it's a well, it's a Disney movie, so therefore it's going to be. Yeah. Um, but it's, I mean, it's no Rogers the musical, but it's, it's, uh, it's long, it's, but it does showcase the talents of the people in this movie. Uh, I mean, this, this does become a Broadway play, by the way. I didn't know if you're aware of that. Oh, nice. Let's, let's discuss this though. This is the longest absolute, I mean, the absolute longest sequence in this entire movie. It, it feels uh, like it goes on continuous for two and a half years because they are on the animated um, right island for a while, but that jumps it's between different scenes. Yet. Yes, exactly. But this this reaches, like you said, you could find anything and everything on Portobello Road. You could find every type of culture doing yep. every type of culturally um, appropriate dance or, routine. Yeah, I didn't know that there was an official dance of every single country in the planet, but apparently, right? I mean, this movie tells me so, at least the ones up until and every single almost every single culture on the planet is represented on this road. Uh, They should have spliced in the Dave Chappelle skit where he goes around playing guitar, speaking over maracas and then playing the drums, because I think those three were not included. However, I am curious if that was influenced by this movie specifically, this <laughs> probably scene. dude, probably like Dave Chappelle, huge fan of, of bed knobs and broomsticks. How wacky of an idea is that? Um, here's the thing that as an adult, and I know what the storyline is, doesn't make sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. London's getting fucking bombed and we have street markets still happening. Well, I mean, what is I'll- going on there? Well, I mean, you saw the guy that eventually, you know, at the end of this long ass dance number yeah. and song, you saw the, you, I mean, you saw the, the original guy who was trying to sell him anything. Mm-hmm. Oh, you need uh, you need a, a strand of hair from nobody yeah. knows this person ever under the sun. You want to clone this person, even though cloning's not a thing. I got the last remains of Genghis Khan in the back of my, in, you know, yeah. in the, in the trunk of my Model T. Uh, okay. That's, that's an interesting sentence that I never want to hear ever again. Uh, you know, just something fantastical and, and, you know, obnoxiously obscure, but that guy ultimately then takes him to this book dealer. So I guess with the type of people that are working there and the type of people that are shopping there, 
maybe they don't care because they got nothing to lose. They right, got everything I guess. to gain and their their whole game is, uh, you know, selling I this guess, and selling yeah. that. I guess it, it is strange, though, that this is a, a fully operational um literally blocks long road of nothing but markets at people who are very happy to dance and sing and sell you their wares during a time that bombs are raining down from the sky. Well, it's also a musical. Yeah. So I think that true. has something that's to do true. with it. That's true. Um, anyway, so we do, we go through these long dance and singing things. We have a song that basically tells us this is the kind of play this is, this is, this is, um, Oh God, what was that street that that in New York City that everybody would go to because that's where they would buy uh, Canal Street. This oh, is yeah, the yeah. Canal Street of, of New York of, of this t- town, right? Portobello oh, Road. Only difference is that the police come in and they just say, All right, time to shut down shop, as opposed to hey, run, the police are coming. Yeah, it's zipping up their the difference. Their yeah, luggage pull- and running. <laughs> yeah, they fold up their blankets, throw them over their shoulder like it's a stick and bindle, and then yeah. just run all ass. Just, or Gee, walks, where he's coming from. Walk by the cop, act like nothing's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, Whistling. But- you have to whistle for that to work. <laughs> and like you said, so yeah, like you said, they end up getting to the book dealer, and the book dealer says, um, you know, what I don't know where that book grouch, is anymore. Way. <laughs> he gets that. So they, they end up finding out that they don't know where this, where this guy is at. Cause you know, where could he be? And they end up getting stopped in the alley. And this dude pulls a knife on him. He's like, you've been asking a lot of questions. You need to come with me. So-and-so wants to talk to you. And so, uh, so they go, they go to the, uh, to this guy. And it's the guy that owns this other half of the book. And Angela Lansbury's like, I just want to look at it. And he's like, cool. I just want to look at yours too. And so they switch sides of the books and they're looking at it. And he's reading the side that says, you know, to, to do this spell, you need to do this. And then he goes, it can be found. And then she reads the other side mm-hmm. on the star of Azeroth, which was taken by so-and-so. And they're like, wait a second. It's not even on here. And he says, no, you know, it's, it's, it's not on here. Um, it was taken by this great wizard, this great magician wizard, and he has the spell engraved on this this pendant that's a star, and uh, it, that ended up getting stolen by a bunch of animals. He had anthropomorphized a bunch of animals and made them human-like, and those animals ended up stealing this thing and taking it to their land of Nabumbu. Make believe. Now, here, here's the here's the beast story to this. The kids found a book and the youngest one, little Charlie, little Charlie from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory there, uh, a young, a very young John Bon Jovi. It's been debunked, by the way, uh, is is reading the same book. Basically, somebody wrote an autobiography, uh, a historically accurate retelling of what they're reading. So he is going through and trying to say something. And like every picture book. Yeah. And like every kid with an adult, it's almost like it reminds me of all the places you will go. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like in that same vein, but it, it basically tells they, they use that book as a guide. He does. And the adults are like, well, I guess we have nothing else to listen to. Let's go where he's pointing, like in the moment, not the whole yeah. book, because spoiler alert, the book has everything in it that they need to know without actually they could have just read the book. And yeah. The movie and they're looking, they're looking for the, the Mubu. They're looking for where's this place? Where's this book? And this kid is finally like, guys, this place really does exist. 
and he shows them and they're like oh this is just a kid's book it's it's a it's a you know and on the book you could see these animals are all like living like they're humans there's a, uh, a lion that's the king and all of this stuff and he says no this is real and he says we should go there and he goes all right well let's go to nabumbu right they jump on the bed and they're whisked away take us to nabumbu um the dude with the switchblade and the book dealer are like what the hell did this bed just disappear Mm-hmm. And um, the next thing you know, they're in the lagoon. They're in a lagoon of Nabumbu, this island of Nabumbu, and it's they're underwater. Everybody can breathe, no problem. But it's not just normal water. Now they're in an animated land. Mm-hmm. But they're not they're animated. In, they're in under the sea. Yes, fifteen years before under the sea was yes drawn. Now, we talked about this last time uh, when we talked about Roger Rabbit and how when Roger Rabbit was doing it, it wasn't new like they had done these things before. It, it was just done better. Right. The technology was was there to uh, make it look better. But now we're seeing this. We're seeing the humans interacting in a cartoon world as they're underwater, sw- swimming fish. There's like this dance routine that's happening underwater. Miss Price and Mr. Brown decide they're going to dance and and do as well. And uh all of a sudden, a big old hook comes down and scoops everybody up from the bed and up into the onto the beach. And it's um, Mr. It's Baloo like, wannabe. It's like showtime at the Apollo. All of a sudden, they're like, <laughs> you're done. Get out of here. They get yanked up and they're uh, they're brought up onto dry land. Still cartoon world. And it's a bear that just fished them out of the water. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. A fishing bear. I and mean, they're like- <laughs> to a degree, it makes sense. But he's got a fishing pole and a hook and very little brains and. <laughs> he honestly looks like he just fell off of a pirate ship yeah you know with his outfit he looks like he belongs on a like pirate a sailor ship. yeah yeah they said so they say to well, you know they basically say what they're doing there and what they you know he says you should come we need you to come talk to our our king leonidas and uh that's the lion so they're brought before the lion and they're talking to him and they notice holy crap this lion's wearing that pendant the one that they're looking for and uh they're trying to figure out how they should get it. But the lion's not happy. Lion's very upset right now because all he wants to do is play soccer, but he can't play soccer because they don't have any referees. And Mr. Brown's like, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll referee for you um, because they're coming up with a plan. They're coming up with a plan to try to snatch that pendant from King Leonidas. So Mr. Brown is now going to be the referee. The animals can finally have their soccer match. And Mr. Brown is quick to regret his decision. This is not a regular soccer match. This is animals playing soccer. Elephants, rhinoceroses, ostriches, lions. Um, it's violent. Pretty Things violent. that are bigger than he is, basically. Yeah. He gets stampeded many times. Uh, it's one of these things that it happens once and then they do it again. And it's almost comical the way they're doing it because you're like oh you know what's going to happen next they're going to turn around and run them back over it's pratt falls is really what it comes down to yeah uh in this during this entire time um they ended up snagging this pendant right and so as they're ending the game and things are great and everybody's happy they're going to be leaving and the animals realize holy crap you took my pendant uh, oh, they replaced it. He replaced it with the referee's whistle. So when he realizes he's got a whistle around his neck and not a pendant, King Leonidas is upset. They go chasing the humans who jump back on the bed and are whisked away back to St. Lancashire, Berkshire on the Moors mm-hmm. township. That long winded name. Yep. 
Um, now they get there. She's excited. Angela Lansbury is like, I can finally do this last, this last spell. The, the reason this spell is super important is that it's supposed to, it's going to help us win the war. This, this spell is going to give us the resources we need to win the war. It's very important. Mr. Brown, can you give me the pendant? And he reaches into his pocket, pulls out a handkerchief where he kept the pendant and he opens it up and it's gone. It becomes this like magic sparkle dust and disappears. And they're like, ah, we should have known better. You can't take animated things into the real world. They'll never exist here. Enter the book. And then this kid's just like, well, why don't we just look at the book, right? Let's see where, what else we can do here. And so they're looking at it and sure enough, there's a giant drawing of this thing with the words they need just written in the book. This whole movie would have been done in five minutes at the beginning if they had listened mm-hmm. to this kid. Yep. They do this. She does the spell. And all of a sudden they know, which becomes a song as well. It's not just a spell. It's also a song that they sing. Um, all of a sudden, all their clothes, all these clothes just start to animate as if people are in them, moving around and just walking, dancing, flying. And um, they're like, holy cow, this is amazing. It's like, like, look, look, we can really do something. This might, we can use this to help uh, save the war now. So now it feels like the movie's over. It feels like Mrs. Price has learned to love children. And she's like, you know what? I think I want you to stay with me, children. I'm going to take care of you. And the little kids are like, my golly, that's great. Mrs. Price, Mr. Brown, we want you to be our father. And they're like, and he looks at him like, uh, you know yeah. what, kids? I got to go to the store. I got to get a pack of cigarettes. I will be right back. Um, to that point. <laughs> He's like, fuck that, you. That's, Peace out. That's a wild thing to say to somebody. But right. Chris, this is a completely uh, audio medium. I'm going to show you something on camera right now. This is my favorite joke ever. <laughs> It is a, so I'll describe it to the audience. It is a Funko Pop. Yeah, the dad. Is, it says my dad, and it's just an empty thing of, uh, an empty thing. It's a transparent picture. It says, just going out for smokes, vinyl figure. That's and amazing. it's basically the, what this guy should have been like, I, I, I need some cigarettes. I'll be back. Um, I'll let you know. He's like, we want you to be our father. And he's like, like yeah. no, Tiny Tim, you're on your own. Like, how do you do that? How does like, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's a, you've hung out with this guy for one day. It's only been a day. Like all of that adventure is only in one day's time. They went on a giant size adventure, Chris. One that I'm sure that you have not yet been on. Can you be our father? And he's just like, I can't deal with this. So he pieces out. I think part of it too is like the, um, part of it is the, the idea that there's, like uh, at that time in the forties, like you, you have a duty, you get out there and you find that fuck. No, um, there's, um, <laughs> there's, there's some kind of, uh, I, I guess do more, more of a duty at that point. It takes a village duty. Um, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't fucking know. I don't, I don't live in that world. So maybe I'm just <laughs> smoking crack or something. You're hoping. You're hoping. I'm um, just trying to, trying to put logic to something it maybe just, it doesn't yeah, make sense it was very weird but maybe in those days it's it's it doesn't feel as awkward to hear that uh it did for him though mr brown pieces mm-hmm. out was heading out to the train station to take off and as that's happening back at home miss price and the kids are confronted by the nazis they've invaded their town 
They've invented and, their uh, little inlet right there, yep. which is weird. And they um, they started bringing bringing them all and and scooched them over to the museum and put them in the museum. We're going to keep you captive here. Mister Brown is at the train station and he sees the the Nazis arising uh, arriving and says, "Yeah, I got to do something about this." And he pops one of them and takes off. Uh, they they corner him into this room and he's like, "I don't know what I'm going to do. These Nazis are here." And he's like, "Oh, I know." I remember that spell when when Mrs. Price turned the boy into a rabbit, turned me into a rabbit earlier. Let's try that. So he looks at himself in the mirror, (laughs) looks himself in the mirror, uh, reads the spell, turns himself into a rabbit. Nazis burst in. Rabbit takes off. They're confused. They're looking for the guy. They don't know what happened to him. Mr. Brown makes his way back to Mrs. Price and the kids, and they're like, what are we going to do? This is crazy. The, the Nazis have, have actually made it onto our soil. Uh, we have to do something. And they're like, we're going to use magic. Of course. Why wouldn't and you? They just say, And so they're looking around the museum, and it's nothing but old uh, suits of armor all over the place. So she does her magic, and they all come to life, and they start kicking Nazi butt. They start fighting them off. There's a lot of comical scenes in how they're kicking them up their butts. Um, but we see it go down and they've saved the day. Hurrah, hurrah. They've beaten the Nazis back. And Mr. Brown decides, I want to take care of you as my children happily ever after. And then he joins the army. And then he joins the army. He's like, which I way, love I you, he, but you know what? I'm I love you, but I'm still not. I don't want to be right here. Uh, interestingly, <laughs> like. He joins like the local town militia and they're all like 80. Every one of them is from like World War One. They're World War One veterans, basically. Uh huh. <laughs> Which. Uh, OK. I mean, aside from some nonsense things where you're just like, what? Overall, mm-hmm. it's fun, right? For, for what this kind of movie is, the fantastical side of it, the idea that, OK, this could have had some sort of impact on the war. It's fun. It's an interesting it's I, I really like when movies don't take themselves seriously yeah. like certain actor actors do. Uh, but they also have that uh, real history adjacent type thing where they're like spliced into, yeah. into uh, we watched something recently that kind of did that. I forget what it was, but we watched it. Um, so it's just interesting to see stuff like that. Yeah, overall, I liked it. I enjoyed I enjoyed the plot, even as an adult. You know, I do see things in it as an adult where you're just like, oh, come on. But you have this is the kind of movie where it's okay to be that way because it's there's nothing in this that they're saying, like, you should take this seriously. This Mm -hmm. is high level storytelling right here. That's not what this is about at all. You know, there is no inside the actor's studio from anybody on on this particular movie. No, so this is not a subject matter that will be greatly debated for years to come of. Is this the turning point in the war? No. <laughs> yeah, not no, so much. No. They got beaded by Monty Python and the uh, you know, and the uh, it's just a flesh wound night. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> Although, yeah, we'll get into that part later. But yeah, the cool, cool. Let's get into the actors and the acting. Uh, straight up Angela Lansbury it's always like because so for Angela Lansbury for me it was always murder she wrote it was always the grandmotherly figure so when you see her younger it's always like wow Angela Lansbury like 
first of all, you know, she, a, a very attractive woman as she's as a younger woman. But I mean, she's also has a little it was always a different kind of acting. Right. Like it didn't feel grandmotherly. Now, this was a it was fun. It was fun watching her play this woman who's kind of unsure of herself, doesn't like children at all and, and was trying to be a witch like this kind of bumbling thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, she plays she plays the straight person in this movie and, you know, just the she's the foil to the kids and vice versa they play that well and then she's the foil to the the, uh what's his name um emilius brown Mm -hmm. with her we have another english actor uh stage actor film television david cecil McAllister tomlinson david tomlinson plays emilius brown but he's also was very famous for a lot of the, the these types of characters around the same time he was also in mary poppins and uh did you ever see love bug Mm, is that with herbie um yeah the, yeah with the the original herbie yeah yeah yes i a long time ago on a when there were commercials in it so but yes uh but so yeah he's you know he's definitely a, a legend in his own right in terms of acting um but in this this movie man he plays this guy perfect this Amelius brown is a snake oil salesman, but there's something about him where there, there's enough charm, right? It's this kind of like that little boy charm where he gets away with it. You don't look at him like a complete dick. No, I mean, he's he's kind of a little bit aloof mm-hmm. to what's going on. And also, like you said, he's not he's a snake oil salesman, but he's not a jackass about it. Uh, he's he's just he's out for number one, but he's not going to he's not going to like um I can't think of a good analogy, but he's not going to do something vile to further himself. Um, all right, let's talk about the three kids. The oldest boy, Ian Whale. So this kid was good, too. I Well, I thought the kids were all pretty good, but like he had a little bit more that he was working with here because he had to be kind of a pain in the ass that would come around. Mm-hmm. Right. He had to be a street smart kind of kid. Like, I'm going to help take care of my brother and sister. Um, and he, he pulled it off good, this little kid. I did see that he's also on your show, The Boys. Uh, that's a different The Boys. Oh, not that's, the same. <laughs> that's the soundtrack for a 2009 something. I saw that too. And I'm like, that, okay, wasn't expecting that. And uh, by the way, not not the case. Not him. Oh, well. Uh, huh? You know who he reminds me of just in looking at him? He reminds me of the um, the logo for Handicap Fries. I don't know why. <laughs> That's I don't amazing, know why. Dude. Maybe it's the jacket. I, I don't know. Oh, God, that's amazing. Uh, then there's Cindy O'Callaghan, um, who played the little girl. She would, doesn't have that much of a prominent role in this film. She's just kind of there to to be along and be, you know what I mean? Like, she says some things. I think uh, she's the she's the foil for Charlie. The older one. Yeah, and then the little kid, no one listens to him. But, yeah, she's there for... Uh, too many kids would be too much of a problem, but too few would be, would not present, you know, the, the kids could just talk and then gang up on the adults and say, Hey, look in this book, we're doing all this right now. So, but if there were two older kids and then the little one, then like yeah. no one's listening to the little one, there's you know, five total people, odd man out rules type thing. Yeah. Uh, it looks like she stopped it, stopped acting in 2001 to become a child psychologist. Maybe she realizes that her, 
adventures on a bed with four other people were uh, questionable at best. <laughs> that was her first film too, though. That was her, mm-hmm. her uh, which was, was just cool, but she did a whole lot of TV things. You know what I mean? She's kind of forgettable in this movie though. That's what I'm saying. You know? She She's not, she's not really, there's not much happening with her except to kind of be there as part of the children and to make comments towards, like you said, it's Charlie and, and kind of wrangle him in at times. Yeah. I don't recognize anything that she really did. Uh, it must be all British stuff. Yeah. Um, who played the little boy? What was the name of the little boy? Paul? Paul, Roll- uh, little, uh, Paul Rollins. Yeah. Roy Snart. Did he again, do anything? Again, very quiet, quiet life for this one. I don't think he did too much after that. But again, as this little boy, he he did anything after this. Actually, he is the little boy, though. Yes. Right. right. Interesting. Uh, but yeah, there's not a whole lot of uh, he's got one credit and that's this movie. And then I guess footage from other things that he was in or was used in where it was used in other things. So this um, is his only role. Yeah, there's um, there's a there's a few other actors, actresses. There was Mrs. Mason, the one who forced the kids upon uh, Angela Lansbury's character. Um, you know, great, good performance from her as well. Roddy McDowell's in this film. Mm-hmm. But you only see him very, very minimally as the priest of the town. Um, yeah. He's just there yeah. for a silly thing here or there. Pretty much, he actually had a longer, a longer, a lot more uh, scenes. So, a little tidbit about this movie: this movie initially was over two and a half hours long, mm-hmm. um, and they had they cut a bunch of it out because they wanted to make it closer to two hours. Which at the time, that was what a palatable movie was, right? It was two hour, two hours is what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, a lot of Roddy McDowell stuff is cut out, which is crazy. But yeah, so he's in this movie. Unfortunately, we don't get to see too much of him. Um, it's crazy. I also just saw another movie with him just a few days ago with Fright Night. Uh, there was, uh, there was a, a lot, like you said, there was a, a lot more. There was a longer version, a restored version in 1996 that uh, you'll like this, made the um, Portobello Road scene longer. even longer. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my God. But some of it was destroyed, like before they could restore it. Some of it was destroyed because of film being a depreciating medium. Yeah. Which is why digital is so much, let's say it's so much better. Yeah. Um, There's also full, full music numbers that are, that were removed as well. That aren't on. I thought there. you were going to say full nudity. I was like, oh, that's weird. <laughs> Strange. Um, but o- overall, you know, there's the rest of the actors we're seeing are supporting. We're seeing, you know, the everybody working the Portobello Road thing, the, the Nazis. There's that aside from our main characters that we just went through, that's that's everything else we have. But for me, the main cast was was good. I think the it felt like the chemistry between them all was was where it needed to be. Um, and it, they were entertaining. Every single one of them put in put in great work, I think. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, like. Some of these people we don't know because we are not, we don't watch British TV. Right. Uh, but like some names that's, that jump out, Sam Jaffe, Bruce Forsyth. Uh, these, these people are, I don't know a damn thing. I don't think that either of them did, but I know their names. You've seen and or heard them. Yes. Uh, or of them or, or one or, the, one or both, but, uh, and, and just kind of thumbing through aside from the kids and Angela Lansbury. I think everybody that's listed on this cast in Wikipedia is, has since passed like some time ago. So this is yeah. because this movie came out in 1971 filmed in 1969 and 70. A lot of these people are of that previous generations and, and even the voice actors. 
you know, from, from the animated stuff like uh, Leonard wine, wine rib who did the voice of the King. Mm-hmm. He was also on HR puff and stuff and a whole bunch of other things like the original voice of scrappy do. So a lot of these people are, you know, they were much older when they did this or also this movie was 51 years old at this point. So, yeah. And dude, you know, he, like you said, a lot of them have passed Angela Lansbury, not yet. Um, but good Lord, dude, she's 96. We may, we may unfortunately see it this year, which would suck. Would you say Angela Lansbury is the British Betty White? Maybe. She's actually Irish, but the speaks Irish with Betty a British White. accent. She speaks with a Irish or with a British accent though. Yeah. On purpose. Um, she's like acting all the time, dude. She's great, dude. I, I mean, I, I think so. I think she is great. She's going to be mm-hmm. the new Betty White. Yeah. So there's the acting dude. For, like I said, for me, I just felt like they, I think they did a great job. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Let's get into the music and the soundtrack. This one's a musical. Yeah. Hey, I don't know if you knew this, Chris, or not, but I found out five minutes in, this is a musical. Fun for me. You know, once in a while you you get musicals and and it's um they're either gonna hit or not. You're gonna it's gonna be something that you're just like, ooh, this is brutal. Or it's not always gonna be West Side Story. (laughs) Entertaining, right? I like these. Only again because it was you know these are from my childhood, so I remember some of these songs. The biggest one being Portobello Road. It's almost like Spoonful of Sugar. It became one of those kinds of songs that it's just kind of embedded in my in my psyche from from those days. Um, and I loved it. I always liked the melody of Portobello Road. But other than that, I could see that after some time, it can be very trying to hear it over and over. Oh oh, hold on. We're not just going to sing Portobello Road this way. We're going to speed it up now. Here's a different mm-hmm. tempo, but the same song. <laughs> it's like, oh my god! It's uh, yeah. It's it, it. There is a point in which it becomes <laughs> exhaustive. Um, like if you're listening to this now, you can come back to this moment three hours from now uh, when I say, uh, when I originally say, kind of like the song "Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious," right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, the music in this just to kind of echo and underscore and add to your point just there. It's good. It's, it's not West side story. Good. Right. I do like that a little bit more. Um, it's not Les Mis exhaustive though, because <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Les yes. Mis. I know what you're uh, talking about. Not the movie. I'm talking the play. Oh no, I've not. I, well, I've heard the music from, but not, not seen it. The music from the play is the entire fucking play. It is sung the entire thing. So, so it's an opera. Isn't that an opera? Isn't that just straight mm, up an opera? To a point. I think it's like a neo opera. Not okay. to be confused with Repo, the genetic oh, opera. That's amazing. Isn't it? The, it really watch, is. Do you want to watch do it? it? Let's do that. I'll put put it on, on the list. list. I do um, have it, by the way. But yeah, the audio dude on this. I, lo- I Again, because of the kind of movie it is, it doesn't throw me off. It doesn't make me feel like, ooh, I'm not digging this. They go to an animated land. So if the music's going to throw you off and they're doing animation, I mean, uh, okay, maybe this isn't the movie for you. Yeah, right. Um, but that's all I can really say. There's not too much more to say about it. It's a, it's a straight up musical. It's a Disney musical. So the, you're getting those Disney musical moments, just like you do in the animated movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Just more of them and longer. <laughs> longer. Uh, let's get into special effects. So 
so again, the animated side, right? The animated with the, the human side, that's cool. Mm-hmm. I thought it looked great. There's a lot of moments where you can see like this is the old st- school way of doing it, uh, but it still looked good. Like it really mm-hmm. did. To see it, I, I thought to myself, wow. Um, even though it's a dated piece and it looks older, like it looks good. Well, it's that hand-drawn cell animation too. Oh, love I it. mean, you have the classic golden age of Disney animation guys doing this still. Yeah. Uh, I read a part somewhere uh, that uh, a couple, a paragraph or two where the animating supervising producer was big mad to use a kid phrase uh, that uh, that's what kids say now, big mad. Yeah. Uh, That because there was inconsistencies in the animation. Really? Oh yeah. I didn't notice really. I mean, I guess I could, if I wanted to go back and look, but I was looking for, I've read that like before they got to that point and I was like, which I normally don't like to do because Mm -hmm. I like to find this stuff out or see if I notice it as opposed to look for it. But it was, I was like, well, that makes sense because sometimes those people could be considered taskmasters. Uh, also, if the movie's behind or if the movie will be delayed because of them, that's kind of a big problem. You yeah, know, true. you're the one holding up the entire show, tra- you know, movie train. Um, but yeah, I didn't think there was anything that looked out of the order. It, it was classic Disney animation. Think the yeah. Robin Hood movie that's animated. Yeah. Um, or Jungle Book. You know, there was a lot of, basically this looked like the rejects from the jungle book in this movie. <laughs> yeah. It looks like maybe they took some cells, some, some t- character designs that weren't mm-hmm. used in other movies and said, we'll use them for this one. Right. We'll throw them in here. Um, what, what is fun too, though, is I did like how they did the, the transporting, right. The mm-hmm. way it kind of did the fade in and out the flashing, the, the sparkling, the different colors. It was, I mean, this is what you're using in 1971 technology to kind of, you know, to, to, to express or to kind of show represent what that would look like for something like mm-hmm. that. Cause imagine what, if they were doing that movie today, the special effects for that would be fucking bonkers. I'm sure. You know I'm what I mean? I'm sure you could just download something from Adobe, whatever the version, whatever the program yeah. is to it's like transit, like transition. I'm sure that there is a, someone has made, or there's one in the library of like bed knobs and broomsticks or Disney style transitions from oh my the 70s. God. Dude, if there was, that would be so amazing. It's just so classic. It looks so nice. I mean, because it is, right? Like, you're not looking at it going like, this is top of the line special effects, man. It's not. It's, it's, mm-hmm. but it's great. There's a classic feel to it. It's like pseudo believable. Yes. Because it's what the standard that Disney used to make it look that way a bunch. Right. Not yeah. just in this movie. Yeah. Uh, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Mm hmm. All right, let's finish this out, dude. Just give us our scores. We're going to do this uh, on however many bed knobs and or broomsticks. And uh, I'll let you start it since you this is your first time viewing. Sure. So I watched this uh, a couple of weeks back because we were, you and I, we were on different yeah. schedules for a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, so I watched this a couple of weeks back and the idea uh, crossed my mind of watching it again. Uh, but I didn't because I'm a professional. One and done. One take. <laughs> that's it. Son of a that's bitch. it. One take. It's all you get. Me and Clint Eastwood, we're on the same page with that. One take. So uh, I watched it a couple of weeks back. And again, not knowing it was a musical or that there was a, there were longer, more traditional musical elements in it. Uh, I, I watched it with the, the little one, um, Big A or A-bomb as she hates to be called. Um, 
She's five foot five, by the way. So big A doesn't make any, it, it makes sense in the, she's not that tall. Uh, and so she just looks at me like rolls her eyes. Like, uh, no, dad, that's, <laughs> I'm going to pass on that one, dad. So uh, she typically, she, is she typically excited to watch things with you? Uh, we don't, well, I mean, she's only here a couple times a year when she can't. Well, we watched all of Moon Knight because I asked her if she wanted to watch the first episode. And she's like, yeah, sure. You know, it was on the TV when I was watching dishes at, at her, you know, at her mom's house. And she's like, yeah, I kind of like what I saw. So we then sat there for the next six hours and watched all of them. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I really, really liked it. Yeah. Plus the acting's really good. That's, and the story was really well done. And she liked the hippo, like every person that I've heard. Anyways. Back to the show. Um, so we don't normally watch a lot of stuff together, but we 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 had in the past watched a full season of The Flash every time she last year's version, last year's season. Um, and she would pick out. She was really. Uh, she would pick out some of the good stuff that even I missed a couple times. Um, but but uh, uh, we figured out together that it was a musical, and she she's again going to college, wants to go to college for theater, uh, but she tapped out about. Mm, uh, 10, minutes after, <laughs> 10 minutes after that actually um, <laughs> she's it, like okay this is too much dad it, it, she was also like uh, i'm gonna go to bed anyway but she, you know she didn't want to stay up too terribly late which she did anyway on her phone texting with her friends every night you're not gonna uh, believe what my dad just tried to make me watch yeah Dude. some old grandma was trying to fly a broom <laughs> so uh you know that old lady from law and order no the, <laughs> Yeah, I watched it on YouTube one time. I think that's that's how the kid that's what the kids do now. Oh God! But uh, you know, not knowing that it was a musical and being pleasantly surprised that it yeah. was, um, she tapped out early under the guise of "I'm going to go to bed." Um, and uh, there was about 30, 45 minutes in or so. It was longer than I expected it to be, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. And it had not unlike Lord of the Rings that false ending where you thought that you know, Oh, now we got to go fight the Nazis. Mm, okay. Like, Oh, that's right. That's happening. Uh, yeah. That's going to happen. Forgot about that. There's Brad Pitt when you need him. Jeez. I mean, yes. Uh, so, uh, so that was, I, I found myself picking up my phone more than I normally like to, mm -hmm. uh, but not like staring at it from, for, you know, minutes at a time, just yeah, like I looking agree. something up here and there. Um, it is geared towards a younger audience than us. I would say, um, I do find it, the characters a little endearing, the older characters, the younger characters, those kids need to be disciplined. Um, I mean, they were orphans, I think, uh, yeah. all three of them. So I guess they have a reason to be upset. Um, the backdrop, adding in the backdrop for the story of World War II was, you know, was captivating to me hearing the Kevin Smith wanting to do something with bed knobs and broomsticks. Um, was kind of it was kind of the original entree to this movie um and and um you know it being a musical again i do like when they mix that in as opposed to just having music or a score or music videos halfway through the movie um not unlike in collateral um but i mean there were some things that i uh, and the animation was great the transition was great i just wasn't as captivated as i thought i was um, I mentioned that, you know, when I started this rambling that I was, I thought about watching it again. Um, but I didn't 
most uh, mostly because I didn't think that the rewatchability was there, like in some other movies that I that we've watched. That you're going to be so, like mostly because of Portobello Road. Didn't want to <laughs> sit through that again. <laughs> I mean, honestly, that wasn't the worst part of the movie. Um, I do want to figure out how to reverse engineer that picnic basket that he has, because man, that is convenient for luggage. Right. You just show up at a hotel room, you push a button, and like you hear like a whole bunch of flips and flaps. Wah, 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 wah. Yep. Put in some sort of transformer noise or like that, uh, some sort of old timey Disney sound effect, mm-hmm. uh, springs and widgets and budgets and whatever. Um, so I think I have to settle for a 3.75 on this one out of uh, five bed knobs and or broomsticks. Nice. Uh, like I said, dude, for me, I remember loving this as a kid and, you know, really enjoying it again as an adult. But you're right. It is geared towards younger audiences. And I was the same way watching this movie, even though I was enjoying it and I was kind of like, oh, I remember this. Oh, I remember that part that I would find myself being like looking at my phone for a second and be like, OK, I have to pay attention so that I remember some of the beats of this movie, because even though I hear it in the background and it feels familiar, like I'm here to watch this movie. So um, and I think that's the idea is it's, you know, what's geared for kids, which would normally enrapture them. It's not really sinking for an adult, but it's fun. And you're right. I like this kind of there's um, I don't want to say an innocence, but there's this different kind of feel to the way people acted back then you know the adults uh what's going on in the world at that time um the musical part of it i i have always liked i'd like musicals you know i'm not a i'm not one of these people that's like i can't stand musicals i enjoy them and if they're done well i you know songs will, will kind of become earworms they'll stay in your head and guarantee dude at some point today you're gonna have portobello road playing in your head and you're gonna be like, ah, son of a bitch chris um but dude, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. The animation, everything about it was was fun. Revisiting it, I did not have the never-ending story effect. So, uh, but I have to agree with you. It's not like this is one of those like high-marked movies where it's like, holy crap, uh, I'll watch this over and over again. You know, I watched it now, and I'll probably won't watch it again for another twenty years. Um, but I enjoyed it, so I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a three point five uh, bed knobs and/or broomsticks myself. That's kind of where I figured you would settle anyway in that general area based yeah. on, you know, as we were talking. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's still a good movie. I just fun, you know, it's, it's included with my Disney plus subscription. So it's there. If I ever want to watch it again, we didn't have to pay for it. It made it even better. Well, well aside from the subscription. Yeah. But you I've watched other things on yeah. that. Yeah. Um, all right, dude, what are we doing next? So uh, in conjunction with the stanley cup ending not long ago yeah uh, we are going to watch the uh we're going to figure out if there's a never-ending story effect on <laughs> a hockey classic uh, on yes on a movie that i every once in a while will accidentally call face off uh, <laughs> but it is not that at all it is uh the 1995 movie sudden death starring the only the one and only muscles from brussels himself one guile of street fighter Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah? Mr. McCord? Matthew Hallmark, Secret Service. What's your situation? Close me. How long have you known what's going on in here? Assume we don't. 
someone is holding the owner's box and everybody in it, including my kid. What else? Did you have agents posted at a private elevator? Two. Notify their families. Have you had any contact with the aggressors? I killed two. Is that contact? Look, one of them told me they're going to bring this whole building down. What are you guys going to do about it? We're still evaluating the situation. There's no situation. They want money, a lot of it. Give it to them. If you fuck around and something happens to my kid... We're considering every possible response. If you're not going to pay, say so. I'll get my daughter. Do not try any kind of rescue. Do you understand me? You would jeopardize the lives of the vice president and everyone else in the arena. Believe me, we know what the hell we're doing. Our agents are entering the arena. You stay where you are. We are going to do this by the numbers. And so this movie is... Think of it this way, Chris. It's speed in a hockey arena during a hockey game oh it's gonna be awesome uh, is, is it though i mean i, think I feel like it's gonna out. have to be dude um when i was when i was young when i was a kid in, in middle school high school man me and my buddy ryan were huge fans of jean-claude van damme i mean huge fans like he used he he could quote blood sport from beginning to end um kickboxer you know those but like we absolutely loved those movies and also it was kind of cool because he was it was almost like we were going to get to have our own Bruce Lee, like our generation's Bruce Lee. And it didn't end up going that way completely. But at that time, you know, when he was first coming up, it was it was this dude who was, you know, training his body to be this kind of peak performance machine. I remember there's the scene in Bloodsport where he's balancing himself. He's doing this balancing things with his ankles or his heels resting on two chairs while he's doing a split. In midair, there's nothing holding in underneath them. And I remember being a kid just going like, whoa, I got to learn how to do that. Do <laughs> <So>, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it never happened, though. Uh, so, but no, dude, yeah, I was, a, I was a huge fan of Jean-Claude Van Damme way back in the day. So it'll be kind of fun to watch this movie. I've never heard of it, but it'll be interesting for sure. Oh, you are not kidding. <laughs> No, all right, guys. Thanks so much for listening. It's another week in the bag for you. We uh, hopefully you guys are uh, all staying safe out there. Uh, make sure to come back next week to listen to us talk about some Jean Claude Van Damme on the ice. Until then, uh, Sean, first, you got anything else you want to say? Oh, I have a lot to say. I have a lot of opinions over the last couple of days, the <laughs> things that have happened. So just be respectful of your fellow person. Don't make any broad assumptions. Uh, still wear masks on airplanes. Um, yeah. Uh, I was on a, a couple of this last couple of weeks and um, I'll just say I heard a lot of people sneezing in that, uh, in that recycled air tube. Uh, and don't take your mask off to sneeze. I just want to backhand you if you do that. Um, but be respectful of your other people's decisions, their opinions, and um, try not to draw any broad generalizations. There you go. And with that, we want to remind you, it is now time to unsound your phones.